You're listening to Dairy Voice by Dairy Business News, a podcast exclusively for the dairy industry. One of our sponsors of the Dairy Voice podcast is National DHIA. NDHIA ensures information accuracy and represents their members' interests. They are the direct voice for the dairy information industry. To find out more, go to dhia.org. When your goal is to help animals reach their full potential, health matters. Diamond V offers a fresh perspective on animal health, a perspective that supports gut health, strengthens immunity, and ultimately enhances performance. For those who choose to invest in keeping healthy animals healthy, Feeding Diamond V makes a statement about another dimension of profit, where margins are measured by confidence in your future. To get a fresh perspective, visit diamondv.com, because animal health deserves a healthier approach. Well, Happy New Year, and welcome to the newest edition of Showbox Sire's series on the evolution of the great cow. Once again, we're introducing a new Showbox Sire's bull, 744HO-16956 Hendricks, who is now available through Select Sires and all their distributors around the world. Hendricks, for Mike and I, is one of our most exciting bulls that we've released to date yet at Showbox because the bull combines so many great things, and we'll talk about them in this podcast. But for me, you put great cows together in this pedigree like none other, Doc and Della, Treasure in Tokyo, Chastity, Cheyenne. It's like a who's who of great cows in the past two decades in the breed. So to help us with that, we've got Mike Duckett, who's been involved with both sides of the pedigree of this bull. We also have Kevin Jorgensen, Senior Sire Analyst at Select Sires. And then it's a pleasure to welcome the master breeder from Wacan, Iowa, Frank Reagan, who is the guy behind the, the great cow, Della, uh, that started this whole family nearly 10 generations ago. So I welcome all three of you guys, and we're going to start, Mike, with you. You've said to many people, this bull is one of the favorite bulls you've been involved with. Tell us why, Mike. Well, as you said earlier, uh, I've had a, a lot to do with both sides of this pedigree, and I'm confident with those two cow families, when we combine them together, we're going to get a cow that uh, it's going to work for every dairyman in the world. Treasure. Cow we bought young and uh, 88 is a two-year-old. And um, the next year, uh, she got into the top six at Madison and, and progressed all the way to winning World Dairy Expo as a 150,000-pound cow. And then the bottom side with Doc, I think our prefix says it all with her. It has it all. She's, she's production. She's type, genomics. She stood right at the top of the class with some of the best cows in the world. I'm confident this bull's going to do exactly what we need in making balanced cows that will work for everyone. Well, in your involvement with both sides of the pedigree, Mike, I don't think we've re- anybody in the industry has released a bull with this many champions, this many All-Americans, or 95 or 96-point cows. Can you think of anything like it of recent? Tattoo on the top side, um, Dam being Reserve All-American, Grand Dam being All-American, Tattoo, he's he's uh, pretty special to us. He's been number one confirmation bull in Canada and 
And uh, actually, I looked him up this morning. He's, he's running 96% good plus or better on almost 900 milking daughters in Canada. And 39 of them are excellent. And I don't know of any other bull that's that high of a percentage of good plus or better. And then Doc, you know, unfortunately, we don't have Doc. Uh, she's she's gone a little too too soon, but uh, she uh, was an extraordinary cow. She a cow that calve in milk 140, and she would she'd go dry giving 120, and bred back just a just a great cow to work with day in day out. Well, and to, and to continue the story a little bit, uh, Kevin Jorgensen, you've been a sire analyst for, for years. I love to call you a senior sire analyst because it makes <laughs> me feel young. Um, but Select Sires, Kevin, has been instrumental in both sides of this pedigree. Would you take us through a little bit of the impact that the, the sire of Hendrix tattoo has had on the Select Sires world? Well, it's great to be with you guys and just a pleasure to talk about a bull that's always been near and dear to me. We've had such a great relationship with Mike and Julie for a really long time, both in acquiring bulls as well as their uh, being such a great partner for us at Genetic Futures. And I had the opportunity to take over Showcase in 2015. We were sort of in a transition period, for lack of a better term. We had these great bulls like Atwood and Goldchip and Bradnick, and and they were hitting towards the twilight of their career, and we knew we needed to transition to something else. And I just remember distinctly one day being up at Mike and Julie's, and I said to Mike very early in my career as a sire analyst that we really need to try and make something out of treasures. Just a cow that for me was such a. Everyone talks about James Rose, James Rose, but I'm not sure there's ever been a Holstein cow with a better udder than uh, than treasure just uh, day in day out no matter when you saw her whether it was at the show whether it was at the farm cow just i was a great admirer in the maternal line i knew very well as uh, as well so come along a year or so later tokyo second at madison and milking yearling and and when the bull had the opportunity to to when he got his first genomic results i remember calling mike and saying this is the but this here's the the treasure son that maybe we've been looking for I've always been an admirer of of putting the right combinations together. And you mentioned, Tim, you put Dorman through Crush and then Cheyenne and you put all these together. It just seemed like the right combination and, and having Goldchip in there and Chastity. So it just kind of fit together. And so it, from, immediately from the Bulls release, uh, he was had a great first career, what I would say is a, is a genomic young bull. And as those heifers continued to impress people, and then, you know, a couple of years ago at Madison, I mean, he had to be within spitting distance of being premier sire. Uh, and so he just had this, this secondary career, and Mike mentioned his stats and doing so well in Canada. And he was a bull that kind of sent us in the direction we've been in showcase, which is more balance. Uh, trying to, he was never the number one PTAT bull in the U.S., but he just had all the right traits. He had the right mastitis resistance, which I still believe in health and fitness traits in our high type bulls because those cows need to not have issues. They need, and so that was just a, he's, he's been a great fit for us and now to have one of his sons out of a cow that we're pretty fond of as well. And Doc, I think is, is a really neat deal. I'd note, Key Joe, as the follow-up on your comments, you know, Somatic cell on, on Hendrix is under three and DPR is zero, which is quite unique in this world. Tight gets to nearly three points. So Kijo, all the things you lined up in this pedigree sure have come through in the in the data on the bull. 
SSI has had a huge influence on the bottom side of this pedigree. Tell us a little about how uh, how you've been involved with Doc 8784 and, and uh, just a quick recap of, of your involvement at SSI with that cow. Well, again, it's, it's a partnership between us and Mike and Julie uh, from the day that we bought Jedi Have Not, uh, bought her from Tommy Kugler in a sale, and she went up to GF to have her uh, juvenile career to to make embryos for us. And, and she was just a, a great cow uh, because she came with one horn and one eye and, and Megan loved her and she was just a great cow, good donor. At that same time, as we that talked about transition period, we'd also brought Doc in uh, as one of the early showcase bulls as well in, in my tenure. A bull that was somewhat controversial because uh, he was he was a late King Boy son. His mother's a Shamrock Mac. The next dam was a was a snowman, but he went back to debutante Ray in the Roxies. And I had wanted to use this bull very, very heavily as a sire father. And I kind of joked with Jeff, well, you should do have not to, to dock. And, and so that flush materialized. And we ended up with two heifers and two bulls. And the two bulls, one of them is one of our most successful bulls in, in Brazil named Doc Nido. And then we had a bull in the accelerated product lane named uh, Doc Hollywood. And that bull, ironically, mirrors a lot of the same things that, that Doc has done. He's a 1,400-pound milk bull that's two points on type, uh, very solid, uh, plus on DPR. So he had a good career. Unfortunately, we lost him as, as, as a young bull up at Westby. But then there was those two magical daughters. And uh, 87, 83, I went through the national convention sale when it was here in Wisconsin. And the other one left, and Mike was pretty fond of her, and we got her uh, the, Mike and Julie took ownership of the cow, and, and I guess the rest we can say is history because she's just been such a, a prolific cow. The ability to, to be truly a crossover cow in the industry, and there's, there's a very short list of those cows that do that. And, and I would say the last cow to do it is uh, our, our other guest that's with us in, in terms of Della herself was one of those cows 30 years ago that was a crossover cow that made high bulls for AI could win at the highest levels. And so it's interesting how history repeats itself. Well, great lead in to uh, introduce our next guest, which is Frank Reagan of Reagancrest Farm. Reagancrest uh, has become an iconic breeding establishment all over the world. Frank Reagan and his family have developed tremendous cow families. And, and Mike and Kijo, when you can say one guy has been the guy behind uh, Della and certainly Durham Barbie, that's a mouthful um, because there's not many breeders that can boast impact on our genetic world like Frank Reagan. So Frank, we welcome to you to our podcast and uh, it's great to have you. Tell us a little about what's going on at Reagan Crest today. Well, thanks for the kind words, Tim. Uh, <laughs> That's, uh, we're, you know, you're lucky to, to own a cow like her, and I realize that. Getting back to this, uh, we uh, had some rainy weather in the summer. We decided to take off a day and go to the Wisconsin Championship Show. We got there probably about 1230, and uh, the two-year-olds were just in the rain. And uh, my dad was with me, and I seen this black two-year-old come around that uh, would catch your eye. And uh, you, you, you had to love the udder. It was high, wide, and, uh, you know, shallow and great legs. And she, that day, she placed second and best uttered. So after the show, I followed her back to whoever owned her, which was Bob Snow. You know, I kind of asked him about her, and 
I guess I kind of realized that we probably couldn't afford that cow at that time. I put in for a Black Star daughter. That was kind of how I got to know the cow and got to talking with Bob. And uh, he took her home, flushed her. And about a, I think about a year and a half later, I went to a friend's sale up in Wisconsin. And uh, it was pretty close to where, you know, where uh, Bob lived. And I thought I'd stop in and take a look at her. I think it was like in November, and she was due right around Christmas. I went in there, and Bob was there in the barn, and uh, she was standing in a in a stall dry at that time. And uh, you know, she was she was long enough that she stood over the gutter. Bob had a, a grate there over the gutter, so she wouldn't, uh, you know, have to stand in it. And I told Bob, I said, Bob, I'd just take and make a pen for her if you can, because you know, the further they get along and and uh, going to calve, the harder it is for him to get up. So Bob made a pen there in the corner, and uh, I knew she was due in right around December to Winkin, Stardell Winkin. I guess that was it for a while, but, you know, she was a Mark Bell Cross. And I had been talking with uh, Charlie Will at the time there at Slackton. He was kind of, he kind of liked that cross, too. We kind of waited, uh, you know, until uh, maybe, I guess it was right before spring show, Bob had had her entered. I looked at her, and he said he was going to sell her after the show. So we made a deal on her, and uh, I guess that day she was, you know, she was she was grand champion and uh, best bred and owned and best utter of the show. So she had a she had a pretty good day to, to start out our career. But after that, we took her home, and... Uh, about a week later, the Japanese were there. They wanted to buy two bulls out of her. That always made a guy feel a little better about buying a cow like that because you, we hadn't had much experience with it before, and that kind of made you feel better anyway. After the show there, they wanted us to take her up to, you got a question here, how was she to work with? She was, you know, she was full of life. We took her up to Gaze Mills there. They took, the, they took some pictures for the, I guess, the, the Wisconsin news, they took the halter off her, and I thought, wow, how's that going to work? <laughs> well, by golly, he got the picture taken, and it took us about 20 minutes to catch her. Luckily, there was a place there where there was a, you know, a corner in the fence, and uh, and we could catch her. But, but one of the things I liked about the cow, you know, she, she, had, a, she had a tremendous udder, but she had great legs to go with it. And, uh, and, and on the cement all the time, I think it's pretty – Pretty important. Well, and she sure has passed that on, Frank, generation after generation. Uh, that's a great story where the cow came from. Uh, and, and the Mark Bell cross, you know, the four of us on the podcast remember that cross and how powerful it was and, and how Charlie Will, you know, would have loved that cross. And there were so many great cows. As far as her, her confirmation, you've talked about her utter I certainly remember frame, you know, with a tremendous uh, rump and width. Frank, would you say that that was another trait that that has really come through on the cow? Yeah, when you got behind her, you'd love that uh, that wide, you know, wide rump and that high wide rear udder. I think that's kind of what what it took to get them cows with high wide rear udders. You get a narrower rump and you get a narrower udder for the most part. And interestingly, Frank, uh, you know, and I don't know how, I know you've seen Doc 87, 84 at Mike's and in the sale and all, you know, when you think about it, Mike, it's 10 generations ago that Della started this family. And I'd like you to compare your notes on 87, 84 to Frank's comparison of Della, because to me, 
as being involved with both cows at some level, it's almost spooky, the, uh, the comparisons and the similarities. You want to talk a little about how that works for you? Well, there's a lot of similarities on both sides of uh, this bull's pedig pedigree with uh, Treasure and Doc, but we'll start with Doc. I think Doc resembles Della to a T. Just uh, she's got that massive wide rump and uh, all the capacity, and just uh, there's a there's a lot of grit in Doc eight seven eight four. I mean, a lot of people don't realize this, but she grew up most of her life in a 2,500 cow ability running right with the rest. Uh, she was not a pampered young animal. Later in life, obviously, she moved from genetic futures to here, but I think cows need that grit, that the toughness to, to survive in, in any uh, facility. And then you jump up to the top side of this, um, there's always a reason they always put the big heavier set guy on tre Durham Treasure because I was about the only one that could hold her down. Uh, it was a lot of spunk and uh, treasure. Uh, when we bought her as a two-year-old, you couldn't even clip her ears. And she was Durham. And uh, that was, so there's a lot of toughness, great udders on both sides. And uh, I think uh, that's coming right back from 10 generations ago. And Frank, I've heard you talk about, about Della and her muzzle and the way she eats. And one of the coolest things about Doc, once we got involved with her, Mike, was watching Logan feed her at night and seeing nothing but her ears as she buried her head. Frank, was Della one of those cows you love to watch eat? Great cowmen like to watch cows eat. I'd yeah, she was, uh, she had a great appetite. I'll tell you, the only time we ever had any trouble, she had, you know, she was up there in Sparta and she had some, she must have drank some sand in that, uh, those, those springs up there or whatever, but we had to do a surgery on her. And after that, though, she was right back to normal. So she had a tremendous will to live. Well, Frank, tell us a little more about the family and a few of the daughters. You mentioned Black Star and Winkin and, and some of that. Tell, tell us about three or four of her favorite daughters that you were involved with. They were all really good cows. I mean, uh, even that Winkin, you know, I, I didn't care for that calf, but I, she went 94 at, uh, you know, for Hadwin Kleiss and made really good records. Uh, it just seemed like whatever bull you used on her, you know, even tr there was a couple of trifectas that were really good cows. But Melbourne, what we've got right now in our, our herd here is, uh, goes back to the Melwood Della. I mean, we have a 93 Iota that's got over 300 out with three excellent Montrosses and then a great granite daughter that's a really good young cow, a lot like Della. We've had the Leadmans there with Leadman Dolly that had patron Debbie Joe. I don't know if you guys remember that cow, but Simon's and uh, Rounds has bought her as a calf and developed her. And then there was a Leadman Doris that uh, also went excellent for a uh, friend over here in West Union, Iowa. We had Max. We had Rudolph. Uh, we had Elton with Del uh, Desriel there, which goes to Cody Cookie Cutter and Seamers, Durham and Dante. And then, of course, we had, uh, you know, the Encores. There was Dundee. And he had another brother there that uh, Select had Dawson's. Dundee was originally supposed to went to, to Select, but they merged with um, Sire Power, so they didn't, you know, they didn't want him at that time. But we had three other excellent daughters, and uh, you know, John Erbson had the mother of Damien, and we had the uh, Black Star Darlene, 
that had the 95-point Jed Deborah that was really a great cow here for us. So it just seemed like any bull you could use Bell Elton on her or you could use Encore on her, or, and they, they were good cows. I mean, they all had good legs and udders. That is a tremendous uh, pedigree lesson. You know, guys, we all know every one of these cows, but you you forget about about Debbie Joe and you forget about the Jed, Deborah Cow, and and all the great black stars. Frank, you brought up a couple bulls that, you know, one thing Mike and I have talked about, there were bulls that were absolute great bulls in, in the pedigree. And just quickly tell us, I, I think his, probably her two most famous sons, uh, and I think they've influenced uh, Select Sires and they've influenced Tim Abbott's life, would be Dundee and Durham. Tell us a little bit about the impact those bulls have had in your world. They're bulls that both done a good job. The Dundees had just a little more depth, but you take them good gold wins are mostly out of Dundee. So that proved that he uh, he could had, add to the pedigree. And Durham, of course, they were... I mean, they were the kind of cattle that could uh, go anywhere. And so, but, uh, I mean, they they just, uh, they done us a good job. And I think, for the most part, everybody in the industry liked them. You bet. And I, and I think they put Reagan Crest prefix on the map and then allowed you to do some other things with, with your breeding program. As a student of the breed and a sire analyst, uh, interestingly, Durham is on... <laughs> you know, really two sides of this pedigree or, or Della is, you know, tell us your view of that. And then tell us a little about 11 generations of sires. We've talked a lot about the females. I get all fired up about how many great bulls are in the pedigree. You want to hit, you want to hit the double, double Della and the, and the sire stat. Absolutely. And the, the actually triple Durham, if you take uh, Debbie jo or Barbie back to the gold chip side and Durham is always going to be number one in my heart as probably the greatest bull in my career that that uh, I've had the chance to to see daughters or work with and and it mirrored my career here at Select Sires very very closely. I came to Select Sires just shortly before Durham was released back in 1998. Uh, I remember taking Ron Long to see 23 of them at at one farm about three weeks after I started and we actually went to go see Sons our daughters of, of the Darlene son when they mascot Dello. And we looked at these all Durham daughters and I got in the car with Ron Long and he said, what do you think? And I said, these other ones were nice, but this bull's going to change the breed. To this day, 30, you know, 20 some years later, it's still the best daughter group I've ever seen out of one bull as a, in the progeny test form. So I, he's always been really, really special to me because the careers line up. Additionally, you know, Frank was telling those stories about Della. First time that I had the pleasure to meet you, Frank, was helping Willis Gunst in 1991, the second year you brought Della to Spring Show. And uh, she was reserve grand that day and was helping in the string. And I'll never forget uh, the experience of clipping that cow's udder, of her needing to be in the chute. Someone had to tail her and someone had to hang out to her head. Because that was a little bit like Mike saying that the treasure's built that way too. So that that spunk that everybody talked about was definitely there. So I, the the combination of all these bulls in the pedigree, and then with Jedi Habna, uh, Super Sire Miri, my cattle partner Mitch Brennick had the opportunity to milk her as a two year old, and maybe one of the best young cows that that uh, that we've ever had at Mystic Valley. So as you go all the way back there and, and Disrael that Frank mentioned being Durham's full sister, you know, that, that cow bred on so, so true. And with Manaman Halo being a global cow of the year, 
just a pedigree that side then you go back to what we started with with treasure the fact that uh, that cow was just uh, the combination together i think just makes for a really unique stack when you put this all together and then having doc there as well durham and doc have had a lot of similarities or comparisons made to them and i think where the comparison gets to i said earlier about the controversy of doc being a showcase bull with a shamrock mac dam and a Snowman Grandin. Ironically, it was a little bit the same way when Durham first got released. People were like, there's no way that some double bred Elton son or Bell son being an Elton can can be who he is. And it was seeing his believing. And and some of those uh, early naysayers, uh, once they saw the second crop daughter's cabin, uh, they came to the party and we welcomed them because it was okay. But they've had similar careers. I think the big difference and why Durham is always going to be so special to me there's been no bull in this history, at least in my own opinion, that could take a 78-point Calmaker 94 like Durham could. It was his ability in one generation uh, to do what he did. And, and he made a young evaluator look really smart using a lot of them because uh, he improved a lot of cows. But uh, I just think it's, it's, it's a great combination of putting these two families together. Kijo, I would say, you know, he... Durham had a huge impact in your life. You know, certainly Dundee did mine. You know, Frank, the St. Jacobs board at the time, uh, five farmers from Ontario that were passionate about breeding cows were lucky enough to acquire this bull. And Paul Trapp put the deal together with you. You know, this bull single-handedly changed the lives of the members of the St. Jacobs organization and and I think helped, helped uh, Regencrest a fair amount too. So... Frank, when you think about Durham and and Dundee, the impact they've had, and you know, I think it's it's over a hundred thousand daughters between the two bulls, maybe one hundred and twenty. Those two bulls and the impact they've had financially on Select Sire, St. Jacobs, Reagan Crest. I don't know that there's been anything like it in this business. They're they're game changers. Well, I think that uh, she was a great investment for us anyway, because uh, I mean, after we owned the cow, the people just wanted bulls out of her and. Uh, you know, we flushed her and uh, we didn't do it like we should have probably with in vitro. We could have made more daughters, but we flushed her and then brought her back to, to try to show her again. And uh, but I think today, if I'd have done things different, I'd have probably done more flushing. And uh, but we'd usually flush them and maybe sell a daughter to help pay for the, you know, the cost and that. And uh, it really worked out good for us because it spread the daughters out. They proved to be uh, beneficial to these breeders. And as a breeder, Frank, nothing more important than that. So hats off to you and your family at Reagan Crest for, I mean, every time there's ever a competition of the greatest breeders in the world, uh, Reagan Crest gets on that list. And and because of Della and certainly because of Durham Barbie, so all connected to you. So as we wrap up our conversation today, um, we appreciate everyone listening. Hendrix is a bull that is available now at Select Sires. As I mentioned before, nearly 2,500 GTPI, nearly three points of type, nearly two and a half points of udders, solid milk as Doc always does. You know, I think the DPR at break even, stature not being extremely tall at 2.6. This bull can absolutely change the breed like a Durham and a Dundee uh, have done. And, and Mike and I are thrilled with that. Our partners on dock, you remember that day in uh, June, I remember the day, June 11th, 
uh, in Rudolph, Wisconsin, we sat there and bid nearly $2 million on Doc. If Bob Snow would have charged you $2 million for Della, how would that have worked for you? Well, I'll tell you, I think she could have paid for it. I mean, you know, she's, uh, we've done good with Dundee, of course, with you guys and, uh, and the bulls that we sold and the females that were in demand, it, it, uh, it sure helps a breeding program. So I, I think it was very beneficial. Well, I had, had to ask that question in case any of the partners on Doc or, or our wives are listening, Frank, just for your support. So thank you for that. Just to wrap up, you know, give us your, your parting thoughts on how this bull or how Della can change the business and how one bull can, can do that. As a master breeder, Frank, uh, just wrap up your con your comments, if you would, with where you think this business is headed. Well, I think that, uh, you know, milk prices aren't that great, but... Uh... We still got to keep in mind to breed these good, profitable cows. These feet and legs on, on cattle are pretty important. And uh, if he can do, put their legs on them, they'll be profitable. It's, it's, uh, I hate to see a cow that's got a lot of potential, but her feet are bad enough that, uh, you know, she's not going to last. This young bull looks like, uh, you know, he can, he can uh, take care of that part of it. Well, we thank you, Frank. Uh, Mike and I see you as an iconic person in this industry. We we thank you for joining us. We've had a lot of good times over the years. I'm I'm not going to go into not going to go into all of them, Frank, for for fear of uh, incriminating you or I. But one of the greatest trips you and I have ever had together was traveling through uh, Pennsylvania. And for our listeners. You know, Frank would walk onto these farms and there has never been a more humble breeder of great cows in the world, Frank. You're an iconic, you know, kind of a mentor to many of us. So it's been fun working with you and thank you for being part of this important podcast. Appreciate being part of it and I hope uh, this young bull can be as good as he looks. Well, thank you. Thank you. Now, quickly to finish a couple other things, Kijo, the bull's name is Hendrix. And uh, we were just in Nashville and up on a stage, got Kevin Jorgensen with his guitar. And I think you shocked the world, Kevin. I've heard you do it before, but the some 300 people there stood there in awe as you tore up a guitar lick. So tell us about this bull's name and what that means to you, Kijo. I think you were involved in this. Obviously, the one thing I do that doesn't have anything to do with cows is guitars and music. And as a young man, I... Picked up the guitar because of listening to guys like Jimi Hendrix and Steve Vaughan, and that's still what I play today. So uh, for me, it all starts with Hendrix. So why not start this bowl right, right with the right at the top? Well, I hope he will have a career like your like your friend Hendrix and Kijo. Thank you, and thank you to all your people at Select Sires uh, for making this cow family and bowl what he is. Thanks for being on with us. And lastly, Mike, uh, I'm going to finish up with you. Will you be using this bull at Duckett Holsteins and tell us what your plans, our plans are for Showbox Sires with this bull? We will be using him here. We actually used him this morning. A bull that I just got all the confidence in the world. As we sit here and listen to Frank talk about the things Della done for him, that's Doc and Treasure's done for us. They're real cows from real farms and, uh, they can do that for all the people in in the world. For Showbox, uh, yeah, we've got uh, some Hendrix uh, pregnancies coming from different cows uh, that have done really well uh, showing, and and cows uh, Footloose has got pregnancies coming by Hendrix. Uh, 
there's a, a few daughters of uh, Blexi that's got some uh, going to have some pregnancies coming. And I think we're going to mate him to a few more uh, to try to get a few special sons. But uh, I'm looking forward to, to Hendrix. There's there's two full sisters here and it's exactly what you'd expect. They're uh, uh, they're very correct, wide rumped, great legs. They're just a little over a year old now. Looking forward to getting them calved in. Any influence from Treasure, if they put the great udders like uh, her and Doc have, I think they're going to be great young cows. Well, this certainly has been fun. And on behalf of Showbox Sires and Dairy Business, we thank you for listening. I thank our guests, Mike Duckett of Showbox Sires and Duckett Holsteins, Kevin Jorgensen from Select Sires, and Frank Reagan of Reagancrest Farms in Iowa. We produce these uh, issues of uh, podcasts on the evolution of the great cow to inform breeders around the world, not just from a numbers standpoint, but from a standpoint of who these bulls are, the bulls, the cows, and the people behind them. Because we talk about it, Showbox, we're about the cow families, but also the people that make this business great. So we thank you for listening and appreciate your time. And we will look forward to having you join us on future Showbox Sires, Evolution of the Great Cow on Dairy Business.